Okay, it's now time for me to introduce our today's speaker, who is incredible. She loves Jesus. She loves people. She's a brilliant leader. She has got a, a word from God's heart for us this morning. So let's receive Jennifer this morning. us online. It's always a pleasure to be here uh, and a privilege to get to share the word with you. And we're continuing our wonderful series on portraits. And if you remember, if you were here last week, you heard James speak about David and the voices that he listened to. And I don't know about you, but I found that really challenging. This really touched me, really beautiful word. Um, and we've been praying over Psalm 27 over the last uh, few weeks. And so the word that I'm bringing to you today is inspired by that. But before I start, I'd like us to just take a moment to pray. So can I ask you to just close your eyes for a second? And just put your hand on your heart. I want to just, just ask you to feel yourself. Just breathe in his presence right now. Acknowledge that the spirit of the living God is around you, that he loves you. I love this verse in the Bible from Jeremiah. It says, but this is a covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And each man will no longer teach his neighbor and his brother saying, know the Lord. For they will all know me through their personal experience. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. That's a promise from God to each and every one of us, to you, to me. It means that whatever you hear from, this, from here, from this stage, from any of us who have the privilege and honor of speaking to you, it's never about what we say, but it's also about what God has already written in your hearts because he loves you. And I want you to just remember that in this moment. So just breathe for a moment. Thank him that you're his. Invite the Holy Spirit to open your heart to what your loving Father wants to say to you today. Ask him to silence the noise of the weak, of your thoughts, even my voice for a moment, and just step into his presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word which you have given us to lift us up, to build us up, to be our light in times of darkness. Thank you for the gathering of these people, your family, Lord, your children, all of us, and for all that you have done and all that you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so my message today is about David. And um, last week, as I said, James painted this beautiful, really but powerful picture of how David listened at sometimes to God's voice, but other times listened to other voices and what happened as a result of that. Today, I'm going to look at David from a slightly different perspective. 
Because one of the other things that David was famous for was his songwriting. He was like, I mean, if it was this day and age, he'd be like one of those multimillionaire songwriters. He was good at that. He was really good. Um, and we know because we've got the 150 Psalms. Now, there's some school of thought that says he didn't write all of them, but we do know that he wrote most of them. And we know that he was a worshiper, a man of many songs. And I think we have a lot to learn from him. And so that's why I've called it today, David, a man of many songs. Hashtag one thing. I'll explain that in a minute. So a couple of weeks ago on Visioning Sunday, Nikki and Pete reminded us of who we are, that we're Skylarks. I love that name. Don't you love that name? Have you, have you ever told someone you belong to a, co- a church called Skylark and people go, what? Skylark? It's like, yeah, Skylark. And we're called to be 24-hour worshipers. We're called to awaken the dawn. And actually, Skylarks are one of the first dawn, of the first dawn chorus. They're the ones who actually sing first of all the birds. And sometimes, when we belong to churches like ours, people call us the happy clappy lot, don't they? You ever been called a happy clappy lot, yeah? Yeah. And there's this expectation that when we talk about worshipping, that it's about singing these songs where we can all raise our hands and say God is good all the time, and that's worship. But actually, sometimes we don't feel like doing that, do we, church? Let's be honest. There are times when you don't feel like putting your hands up and saying God is good. There are times when things are really tough. And yes, you believe God is good, but at that moment in time, you're not quite feeling that way. And actually, you don't feel like waving your hands around and being the happy, clappy lot. And this is the thing, and and this is what I love about David, because you see, David got this. David got the fact that even though he was a 24-hour worshiper, it wasn't about being a happy, clappy person. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at some of the songs that David wrote and how he used his songs as a way of 24-hour worship. And Nikki called us to step up, step out, and step in. I hope I got the order right. It may not be, but yes, but there's an in, out, and an up, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And if we're going to do that, then worship, 24-hour worship has to be the way we do that. And it's not about the songs. It's about a constant conversation with God. And I heard Beth Moore, she's one of my favorite Bible teachers, and she said this thing, and she said, you know, it's like calling God on your mobile phone and never switching off the button that says the call has ended throughout the day. And that really struck me. Imagine just keeping that caller. Now, for those of you who've recently been in love, you know the one where you go, no, you drop. No, you drop the phone. No, you drop the phone. Yeah, those are days. But imagine doing that with God, never actually switching the call off. And throughout the day, just talking to him over and over again in every situation. And that's what David did. He just had this constant running conversation with God, even though he went through many seasons. And from the time he was anointed and God called him a man over after his own heart, I've often wondered how it was that he had such faith. I mean, how is it that a 15 or 16-year-old goes up against a giant with a sling and stones? How does that even happen? And I think there was something about the time that David spent as a young shepherd in the wilderness 
that made him really understand what it meant to have a real relationship with God. A relationship that wasn't about religion of the day, but was just about knowing who God was. And I think that's what we're being called to do. So I'm going to look at a few of um, David's psalms and the different songs he sang in different seasons. Now, there's 150 psalms, so I'm not going to look at all. Otherwise, we'll be here till 9 o'clock, and I don't think you like that. But I'm going to just look at extracts from different ones. And as I look through this, I hope that what you do begin to find is your own song for this season, for the season that you're going through, because we're all going through different seasons. So I'm going to go to the first one, if I can have the first one. And this is a song of love. I don't know if you can see that, but this is an extract from Psalm 23. And I'm reading from different versions. And can I just encourage you, the Psalms are such a beautiful, beautiful part of the Bible. If you haven't familiarized yourself with them, then do that. And find different translations that work for you. I'll be looking at a range of translations today. But I love this one. It's probably one of the most popular ones of David's Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. But actually, the Passion Translation writes it as this. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure, and he leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. Now, isn't that just beautiful? Because, you see, I think this is a love song above everything else. I mean, we read it at all kinds of, of ceremonies. But I actually think this is David's love song to the Lord. You're my best friend. I mean, imagine saying that to the Lord. And, you see, the thing is, is that David was a shepherd, so he understood perfectly the relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. And I know we all think that sheep are a bit all of the same. You know, they're a bit silly. But actually, they're not. <laughs> If you actually look at the research, it says they're not, actually. <laughs> and Jesus was to expound on this late, years later when he said in John 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And actually, if you know anything about shepherds or people who look after animals, they know each one. They have a name for each one. And they led them into places where they would eat. And this is what David was saying. You lead me all the time. You are responsible for where I go. And it's a song of love and it's a song of surrender. He's seen God's goodness. He knows his heart for mankind. And it's based on a deep personal relationship. And sometimes our song is just about that. A love song to God. And we need to have that love song that actually classifies our relationship. Because you see, if your relationship with God is governed by what happens on, in church on Sunday, then it's not a real relationship. If it's even governed by what you read in books or what you listen to, what God is calling us to step into is a real, personal, deep relationship, a friendship. Behold, I have called you friends. But actually, Jesus says, you're no longer even just friends, your sons, your daughters, your brothers, your sisters. And so this is, and this is this. And why is this important? Because often we can be the worst advert for God that there is. We want to portray him as this fire-breathing, judgmental. And a lot of people turn away from God because of Christians. 
And that's a very sad thing, isn't it? Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, he is. We hold him in awe. We praise him. He's the maker of the world. He's the maker of the universe. But he is love. And if we can't portray him to others as love, then we're doing something wrong. He is love. You are my best friend. How about saying to our neighbors, let me introduce you to someone who can become your best friend, as opposed to let me introduce you to someone who's going to tell you your life is all wrong and you just don't fit. And then we had the songs of faith because we know that things weren't always easy for David. There were attacks of the enemy. His son betrayed him. He was constantly fighting enemies on all sides. And we know that there would be times when that must have just left him feeling, I have had enough. And so he sings the song of faith and he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I love this psalm. I have to say I love this psalm. Right? This is one that sometimes when you're feeling bad, you need to just stand in front of your room or your house and just shout it out. The Lord is a refuge and the fortress of my life. Whom shall I dread? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell, though an army may encamp against me. My heart will not fear. Though war may rise up against me, even in this, I am confident. Now that is such a bold declaration, isn't it? And that's one that I think you need to rewrite for yourself. Because your war might be the bills. Your war might be the things going on in your life, the unemployment that's threatened. Your war might be the sickness. Your war might be a whole number of things. But that's why we always need, also need to be able to sing this song and say, even if, in this, I will be confident. I remember when I was going through a pretty tough time in my life and I had this particular psalm written on my wall. I needed to see it when I woke up in the morning and declare it. And so this is another one of his songs. And actually in Psalm 91, which some say he didn't write, it also says, though a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. And I, there's a connection. What I really like about this is the way this connects through the Bible. Because actually, Paul goes on to say later in Romans, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation, anything in creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is a song for this season. Because what is being said here is that we will be confident that nothing can separate us from Christ Jesus, who is our shepherd and our best friend, who leads us beside oasis of peace. Get the connection. That's the song. That's the song to sing on the days it feels tough. That's the song to sing when the doctor says it's not okay. That's the song to sing when you look at your bank account and the figures don't make sense. That's the song to sing when life doesn't make sense. But then you see, this is the thing. Things didn't always go David's way. And sometimes, even though he was confident, it felt like God didn't always answer. 
And so we have his songs of anguish and complaints. And this one, I think, is uh, the first one is, I think it's from Psalm 27. And it says, no, actually, let me, sorry. Just a minute. Yeah, you're fine. Songs of anguish and complaint. And it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? I'm from the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I call out to you day, but you do not answer. And at night, I find no rest, no quiet. But you are holy. In, our, in you, our fathers trusted. They cried out to you and were delivered. And he goes on and he moans at God. See, when David wanted to have a right old whinge at God, he could do it as well. And I love this because actually, I was, when I was reading this, I thought, I looked at the message translation. And I thought I had to read some of this out to you. Okay, this is from Psalm 22. And there's another reason Psalm 22 is very significant, and I'll tell you in a minute. But I want you to imagine for one minute that you're in your garden, and I'm a Christian who lives next to you, and you hear me praying to God this way. So this is the message translation of Psalm 22. And I'm going to just let my Nigerian roots come through a little bit. <laughs> this is it. God. God. My God. Why did you dump me? Miles from nowhere. Doubled up with pain. I called to you all day long. No answer. Nothing. <laughs> I kept it all night, tossing and turning. And you, are you indifferent above it all? Leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise? Oh, we know you were there for our parents. They cried to you and you gave them help. They trusted you. But where are you now? And here I am, a nothing, an earthworm. Something to step on to be squashed. Everyone pokes fun at me. They make faces at me. They shake their heads at me. Oh, let's see how God handles this one. Where's his God to help him out? And to think you were my midwife at my birth, setting me at my mother's breast. When I left the womb, you cradled me. Since the moment of birth, you've been my God. And then you decided to move away. If you haven't called the police yet to see if there's some crazy person living next to you, then you go. And then it's like, you, God, don't put off my rescue. Hurry and help me. Don't let them cut my throat. Don't let these mongrels devour me. If you don't show up soon, I'm done for. Anybody ever prayed like that to God? <laughs> Any of you sitting there right, right now going, you can't talk to God like that. Wow. Right. I mean, this is Sam Smith on a really bad day, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, no disrespect. I've just never heard a happy Sam Smith song. But, I mean, listen, when was the last time you had a go at God like that? But this is what it means to be real with God. See, God can handle your anger. If you've ever been an adult and a child has tried to lift you off the ground and put their arms around anybody ever done that? And you have your little child go, and you kind of just smile at them because you're a bit like, ah, oh, so funny. God can handle our anger. He's okay with it. And sometimes we need to sing a song of lament. We need to sing a song of anger and say, God, this is not okay. And actually what David does is he compares. He says, look, you did it for my parents. Where are you now? And that song is okay too. That song's a real song. That song's about where you are. And that song's, you don't call up your best friend when things are bad and they go, how are you? And you go, oh, they're really lovely. Oh, praise. Oh, wonderful. No, you go, actually, it's, it's, a, it's tough right now. And sometimes it's okay to have that song too. 
But the one thing about David is that at the end of every song where he really whinges at God and he really shouts at him and moans at him, he comes back and declares his goodness. And he says, but I still believe you are good. And I still believe that you are God. It's okay to have a song of complaint. Maybe you need this song right now. Maybe you need to get into your garden, ignore the neighbors, and just shout at God for a little bit. Maybe you need to say, where are you, God? Maybe you need to get real with him. Because God doesn't want us to step into a fake relationship with him. He doesn't want us to step into a religious relationship with him. He doesn't want us to step into a relationship that just says, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Because the thing is, he can see our hearts anyway. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. So if we're sitting there praising him and inside we're feeling, seriously, I don't really believe in this God, but he knows that. So get real. And last week you heard James talk about David's rather um, unfortunate dalliance with Bathsheba, less said about that. But there's no doubt that this was one of David's lowest moments before God. And, you know, the whole number of reasons that led to it, but... He knows that he's really messed up. He knows that he's disappointed God. And I love the way God actually, through Nathan, tells him, you know, talks about the rich man and the poor man. You had everything. You have me. So why would you need to take anything from someone else? And so we have his song of repentance. And in Psalm 51, he says that. And he says, against you, only you have I sinned. And I love that because even in the pain, even in the sorrow, even though you know he's at the depths of despair, there goes that intimacy again. Against you, you only have I sinned. And that's not just a song of saying, oh, I know that the law says thou shalt not commit adultery and I just committed adultery. He understands that in that friendship, in the intimacy he's got of that relationship with God, he sinned against him. And it's a heartfelt, beautiful apology to God. And he's saying, forgive me. Wash me and I will be clean as snow. And this is a song that sometimes we need to sing, a song of repentance, to bring us back into the presence of God. But you see, when we confess and we repent, it's not because he's waiting there to strike us dead. It's because he knows that while we're far away from him, the enemy will go for us. While guilt and shame keeps us hiding from him, we're just sitting ducks for the enemy. If you've ever watched one of those wonderful wildlife programs where lions are pursuing an animal, what do they try and do? They separate the one, and then they go after the one. And so God knows, and that's why the the tale of the 99 sheep, he will go looking for that one. And all he wants is for you to do exactly what the prodigal son did to start walking back home because it says that while he was yet far away the father ran out to him and that's why our song of repentance is so important and sometimes it's a song that we have to sing so many times because sometimes we just keep messing up newsflash so did David David was the ultimate messer upper it was just a constant one but he knew his father And he had such a real relationship that he would come back. And in Psalm 103, he talks about that forgiving father. The one who as far as the east is from the west has cast our sins from us. 
And that's the song of repentance. And maybe that's one that you need to find at the moment. Maybe because of something you've done or you keep doing, it might be an addiction, it might be something you think you've messed up with. The enemy is trying to separate you from the flock, trying to use shame and guilt to stop you from singing your song. Maybe when you put your hands up and we're talking about how God loves us, you're going there, well, he probably doesn't love me. And you need to sing that song of repentance, but sing it with the confidence that David did, that actually wash me and I will be clean. Purge me and all will be okay. And that's why the courtiers couldn't understand why when David's son died and God took him, he got up and once the boy was dead, he was like, fine. Because he knew. But what's beautiful, the last line in that story, and you might say, well, that was a bit harsh. But what does David say to his courtiers? He says, he won't come back to me, but I will go to him. He knows that his son is in God's arms. He knows God. So there's so many songs, but I want to come to one particular one. And this is the one I call the bridge. Sorry, I've just realized those texts are really small, um, but they look bigger on my computer, apologies. Um, <laughs> and this is the one I call the bridge. And you know, when I was preparing this, and this had to be, um, this had to be a, a, a Holy Spirit moment, because I don't know very much about music. In fact, that was one of the subjects I did very badly, along with geography. Not good right? I have a daughter who sings very well, but I can categorically say she didn't get it from her mother, right? Um, she knows music. But I was, I was thinking of this verse of, of, from Psalm 27, and I was trying to understand how I would frame it as what song it would be. And I suddenly thought, this is the bridge song. And I thought, well, why would it be the bridge song? So I went online and looked at the definition of the bridge. I was very impressed, actually. And actually, I think it's got the bridge. And has it got a definition up there? Where's that slide gone? And it says that a bridge song is the one that, act, the bridge in a song is the thing that connects the verses to each other. And there's something about this particular verse, which is in Psalm 27. And he says, one thing I have asked of the Lord, and that I will seek that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty and the grandeur of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. Now, as a VLT, we've been reading Psalm 27 uh, for quite a while. And I was reading it this morning, and it was a particular morning when things were really tough at work. So I was kind of, I had a whole list of God, things that I was asking God for. And then I read this word again, and I felt like I got arrested. Because David says one thing. And you see, it occurred to me that every song David sang was connected by that one thing. He came into the presence of God. And he sang his song for an audience of one. Whether it was a song of complaint, whether it was a song of faith, whether it was a song of hope, whether it was a song of repentance, all of them were sung in the presence of God. And that's why actually what David says is one thing I have asked. Just the one. Let me be in your presence all the time. And there I will sing my songs. And that's the one thing that we need to look for. 
That's the one thing that actually, whether we're singing a song of pain, whether it's a song of lament, whatever it is, the one thing. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus said this, and it wasn't until I connected the two that I knew exactly what Jesus says. Do you remember Martha and Mary? And do you remember Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus? And the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered and anxious about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part, that which is to her advantage and will not be taken from her. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we need to take our songs, guys. Our songs of hope, our songs of faith, our songs of pain, our songs of disappointment, our songs of lament, our songs of confusion. What's important is that we come into his presence with a song. Because he will hear us and he will answer us. And as I've thought about the presence of God, if you haven't heard of it, many of you will know that there's a wonderful old, 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 old um, man called, um, well, he wasn't old, he's, he's dead now, sorry, but he lived a long time ago, that's what I meant. Old Brother Lawrence. And he wrote this wonderful book, um, or this wonderful series of letters called Practicing the Presence of God. And actually, do you know what? It's not easy to live in the presence of God because the enemy actually doesn't want you there. So have you ever tried that? And, and that's why I understood why he said practicing the presence of God because actually you sit down and you go, yes, I'm just going to spend the next few minutes in the presence of God. And then there's that little voice that goes, yeah, about that piece of work you were talking about and that conversation and about what your sister was saying. And then there's your child and then you're like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm in the presence of God. And then the phone rings. And then you remember you've got something else to do. It's not easy to live in the presence of God. To actually just shut everything else out. And it's not just about worshipping him, but it's actually having a conversation with him. And I love this quote from, and if I can have the very last slide for a moment. I love this quote from Brother Lawrence. He says, the most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him at all seasons, at every moment. And here's the important part, without limiting the conversation in any way. Don't let shame limit your conversation with God. Don't let your song be silenced by what the world tells you. Don't let that feeling that your relationship with God needs to be built on being a happy, clappy Christian stop you from singing an honest song when you need to sing it. He wants to hear our honest songs because every time we sing those songs, it gives him an opportunity to perform a miracle. It gives him an opportunity to give you a testimony. And sometimes those testimonies and miracles aren't the ones we expect. But the one thing he says, and I haven't got that quote here, it says, I have gathered every tear of yours in a bottle. He hears a note of every song, and therefore an audience of one. And so the last four things I want to say about David, a man of many songs, is this. And if I can have the slide just before this, please. There, yeah. David had a song for every season. Find your song. 
David's songs were of honesty. If you can just click, please, it will come up. They were of honesty, intimacy, and trust. He trusted God enough to be honest with him. There were many songs, but always one theme. You're my best friend. You're my shepherd, and I will follow you. And those songs were always for an audience of one. So I hope, church, that as the weeks go by, and especially as we're in this really challenging time where there's so many harsh songs being sung around us, so many things being told to us about the things we need to be afraid of, we will go back and we'll find our own songs. And we will say, the war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Can I just ask us to close our eyes for a moment and pray? Lord, there is a verse in the Bible somewhere where the Israelites at a time of great trouble say, how can we sing our songs in a strange land? And so often, Lord, we are in that place where it seems hard to sing a song to you when things are so tough. But thank you that you give us a song for every season. Thank you, Lord, that as Skylarks, we're asked to sing a song for every season. That we're asked to step into being real and to let others see it and be inspired. And thank you, Lord, that as we bring our songs into your presence, that we can stand confident in your goodness, stand confident in who you are, and stand confident in the fact that whatever we see, you are making all things work together for our good, because you are love. And I just want to say, as the worship team comes and picks this up, if you've been struggling to find a song in your season, then come to the front, and I'm sure some of us will be there to pray with you. And I pray that God blesses you with your own song in this season. Thank you.